Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. Today, I want to look at the politics of Iranian soccer, particularly after Iran recently scored not one, but two soccer successes. Fans celebrated after the country's national team qualified for the third consecutive time for the World Cup after beating Iraq 1-0 last week. It wasn't just men celebrating. It was men and women mingling freely in a Tehran square. That was after men and women, albeit, albeit segregated, egged on their team in Tehran's Azadi or Freedom Stadium. Although banned from attending men's domestic soccer matches, the presence of women for an international qualifier was evidence that some kinds of pressure on Iran worked, at least when the pressure is aligned with popular domestic demands. That all sounds like good news, but there is bad news too. And that may be more consequential and contain a cautionary note for Iranian sports and sports globally, particularly in lands governed by autocrats and authoritarians. For Iran, the bad news was the decision last month by the Asian Football Confederation or AFC to expel from the 2022 Asian Champions League, the continent's major club tournament, three of Iran's top clubs, Persepolis, Estiklal and Golgohar Sijan. Persepolis and Estiklal long ranked among Asia's most popular squads. The AFC penalized the clubs, two of which are owned by the Iranian Youth and Sports Ministry for failing to meet the group's managerial and infrastructural standards and its ownership rules. That is true, not just for Persepolis, Estiklal and Golgohar Sijan. Few, if any, Iranian clubs, many of which are state-owned with representatives of the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, or, or IRGC, occupying board seats, meet the AFC's criteria. To meet AFC standards, Iranian clubs would have to develop youth academies, promote women's soccer, and establish marketing departments to help them become commercially sustainable. Inevitably, that would require privatization, a political risk that so far has been one step too far for Iranian leaders. Too often, soccer in Iran, as elsewhere in the Middle East, a football-crazy part of the world, has been a catalyst for the venting of pent-up anger and frustration. Stadiums like Tehran's Azadi Stadium and Tabriz's Yadigar Imam or Sarhan Stadium have at times turned from offering Karl Marx's proverbial opium to the people into venues of protest. As a result, soccer, one of the few things that evoke emotions as deep-seated as religion does, is a sport authoritarian leaders feel they have to control. Credibly maintaining that control is where the rub is. Harsh US sanctions make it difficult for the Iranian government to invest in clubs whose debt burden makes them difficult to privatize, even if the regime were willing to take the political risk of relinquishing control. 
Conservative Iranian Member of Parliament Ahmed Rastine said as much recently when he insisted that it would be impossible to grant independence to the Football Federation of the Islamic Republic of Iran, the country's governing soccer body. Mr. Rastine was responding to the AFC's reported demands that Iran start privatizing clubs, lift the ban on women attending domestic soccer matches, and end government interference in the sport. The AFC demands indicated how dire the situation in Iran is. The AFC, like World Soccer Body FIFA, has long been a de facto pillar of support for Middle Eastern autocracy by acquiescing in political interference across the region. The AFC's demands appear to have encouraged critics of government control to come out of the woodwork. The whole problem today is the presence of politics in football, said Darius Mostafavi, who was chairman of the Iranian Football Federation in the 1990s. Mr. Mostafavi was speaking on state television. Mr. Mostafavi's frustrations appear to be implicitly shared by the Federation's current leadership. If the structure of football improved, then Iran would be in the top 10 in the world for sure, said Afshin Khotbi, an Iranian-American coach who has worked with Persepolis as well as Iran's national team. The current generation of players is the best yet, but they don't have the atmosphere in Iran to develop themselves as much as they could. In a remarkable move, the group's secretary general, Hassan Khamran Far, came out swinging in support of Mehdi Mahtavlikia, a former national team captain who caused a stir for wearing a jersey featuring the flags of all FIFA member countries, including Israel, during a friendly game in Qatar. Iranian athletes have in the past been sanctioned for refusing to compete against Israelis in international events in violation of globally accepted sports governance rules. Mr. Mahtavrikia is one of the greats of Iranian football and a symbol of pride for the Islamic Republic of Iran, Mr. Kamrin Vaz said in a statement on the Federation's website. The expulsion of the Iranian clubs and the politics of Iranian soccer is the sharp edge of what is a global rather than a local problem. The incestuous an inseparable relationship between sports and politics and the insistence of international sports governors of maintaining the fiction that there is a Chinese wall between the two. The refusal to acknowledge the relationship and establish an oversight regime that would properly govern it serves the purposes of autocratic governments and leaders of international sports associations. The criticism expressed by the Iranian Football Association and Mr. Mustafavi fits an emerging trend among some athletes and some club managers to stand up for various rights, including those of LGBT and labor in Qatar, this year's World Cup host. Seven-time Formula One world champion Lewis Hamilton wore a helmet featuring the colors of the LGBTI pride progress flag during the recent Grand Prix races in Qatar and Saudi Arabia as a challenge to the two Gulf states' refusal
to recognize the rights of sexual minorities. Similarly, the Danish Football Union, Denmark's governing soccer body, announced that its commercial sponsors had agreed to surrender space on training kits to allow for messaging critical of Gata's treatment of migrant workers. The union said it would also minimize the number of trips to Gata by the Danish team that has already qualified for the 2022 World Cup to avoid commercial activities that promote the World Cup's host events. Pressured by human rights groups and trade unions, Qatar has significantly improved its labor regime since the 2010 awarding by FIFA of its 2022 World Cup hosting rights. However, many argue that Qatar needs to ensure that adopted reforms are properly implemented. Unlike the issue of LGBT rights that has sparked fierce debate in the Gulf, the AFC's demands appear to resonate with Iranians. Said Iranian sports journalist Behram Jafarzadeh, most people agree with the AFC's decision and say they wish they had done this earlier. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at www.jamesmdorsey.net. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.